This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Alexandria Glaude didn't seek out wrestling at first. In her words, God wanted her to wrestle. So she started wrestling in high school and quickly excelled. And now she has her sights on wrestling for Team USA in an upcoming Olympics. Through the sport of wrestling and her biracial identity, she's come to learn a lot about who she is and how God is calling her to set the world on fire. In this episode, Alexandria and I talk about how God introduced her to wrestling, how she's seen her femininity flourish within the sport, and how her multifaceted identity helps her evangelize to those in the margins. Hi, Alexandria. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm so grateful for your time. I know that you're kind of in this period of healing right now, post-surgery. So thank you for sharing your time with me today. Yes, of course. I'm happy to. And it's always a good experience and good opportunity to share in faith with one another. So thank you for this. So maybe to start off, for those listeners who may not be familiar with you, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you're doing right now. Yeah, of course. So my name is Alexandria Glade. I am a wrestler for Team USA. Uh, I've been wrestling for almost 10 years now. And yeah, so I, as Rachel mentioned, I just recently had surgery. So training's looking a little bit different for me right now, but I'm learning as time goes on and we'll probably get to that later that this is a different way for God to use me. And so I'm looking forward to seeing the ways I'm stretched uh, in the months to come. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Yeah. And we'll certainly be praying for you as you continue on that path of recovery and healing. I can't imagine what it must be like to, especially as an athlete, be moving and active all the time and then to be in a period of necessary rest and recovery. It definitely shapes your outlook for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So as we jump into this, I would love it if you could share with us a little bit about your own personal faith journey. Uh, you know, have you always been Catholic or are you a convert to the faith and how it has been that, you know, you've seen the Lord work through your life to date? Yeah. So I have actually always been Catholic. Uh, I grew up in the faith. I come from a strong Filipino household, uh, Filipino-American. My grandparents are immigrants from the Philippines. So uh, most Filipinos are Catholic. And so I was fortunate to grow up with my mom and my grandma being pretty active in the church. And so I would tag along for their prayer meetings or they would do uh, like missionary type work, like just in the States. And so I was around the faith a lot as a kid and got to be around a lot of youth. But I would say that as I've gotten older, my faith has kind of changed and sort of become my own, honestly, probably towards college, I would say. Um, not that I ever strayed away, but I think in every Christian's spiritual journey, there comes a point where you to me, at least decide when the faith is yours, you know, like when you stop relying on your parents or whoever it is that was your role model in the faith and you start going deeper. So for me, my mom like was my biggest role model just because she had all the answers. Like she was so active and 
to me, she just knew everything. Like, mom, why does the Pope say this? Like, why did they do this in the church? Why did the Vatican say this? And she always had those answers. And so growing up, I was fortunate to have her. But I think when I went to college, I kind of realized, man, like, what is my faith for me? And what does Mm -hmm. me serving God look like? Because I left home and I had such a strong faith foundation at home. We had our parish. I went to Catholic school for high school and middle school. And so when I was kind of uprooted out of that faith community and I moved to the Midwest where there was not a strong faith presence at all, it was very eye-opening for me. And so I would say that college really helped me dive deeper into my faith and kind of rediscover what it meant to serve God in a, in a different, totally different scenario. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What resonates there is certainly that adult decision. So many times people talk about, you know, confirmation or post-confirmation, but I think, you know, similarly for me, I, I also had to make that real decision in university, being in a very secularized environment, coming out of a, I would say, sheltered Catholic environment and suddenly being faced with all those questions like do I really believe what I grew up with and all these things that I've heard of and then when you made it to college you mentioned that it was like fairly secular but were you able to find different communities or missions or ministries that you were able to be a part of and help to grow your faith or what was that journey like? It's funny because before I left for school and even now, whenever I travel, my mom always looks at what the churches are nearby, like before I even go. So fortunately they offered Catholic mass at my university on Sundays, even though the school itself wasn't a religious school, they had different services for different religions and Catholic mass happened to be one of them. So they would bring in like a local priest from different parishes. They'd kind of like rotate. So I was very fortunate to have that. I only had to walk five minutes to campus to go to church on Sundays. Um, But the church community was very small. I mean, it was like eight of us on a good day. Sometimes it would spike to like maybe 20, but there was maybe like a solid five to eight of us that would be there on Sundays. During college, my time was very limited because of wrestling and then school. So Yeah, I was able to find that small community. I actually have church parents, I call them, um, the chaplain of the school and his wife, who was the pianist uh, and the singer. I kind of developed a really strong relationship with her. And so we would meet on our own, kind of like a spiritual advisor type of situation. And then eventually the two would meet with my fiance and I, and we would kind of have conversation that way. So yeah. Yeah, like ongoing mentorship and and just being able to grow with people who, you know, have been on that journey or are still on that journey, but maybe a couple steps ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so so wonderful. And since you mentioned it, like wrestling was a huge part of your time while you were in college. Did you go to college with a wrestling scholarship or were you there to wrestle for them? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, part of why I made the jump to leave so far away from home was because my university was one of the top in the country for women's wrestling. And so that was my draw is I wanted to, you know, I had Olympic aspirations. I wanted to make world teams and I felt like that was the place that would allow me to grow in my wrestling the best. So yeah, that's what I went um, all the way over there for. And I had a both uh, an athletic and an academic scholarship. So mm. that was nice. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's a, a wonderful 
place to jump in just because I was mentioning with you before we got started that many listeners to the show and perhaps those closest to me will know that I am not the most athletic body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so anytime I meet athletes, especially female athletes, I'm always so inspired. And the natural question for me is how you got into wrestling. Because I think wrestling as an outsider, it's one of those sports that I've never totally understood just because to the untrained eye, which would be mine, it really does look like fighting or rough housing in a way where it's like, you know, your teachers would be like, okay, just just stop. You go over there, you go over there and don't do it. But obviously there's so much more to it. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how did you get into wrestling? Well, I would first preface this with definitely by the grace and guidance of God, because I was in the same boat. I had never seen wrestling before prior to when I joined. And Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, God wanted me to wrestle because there's no other way that I would have ended up in this part of my life. So I actually played basketball before. And uh, I know you've never seen me in person, but I'm 5'1". I'm short. I'm stocky. I'm not built for basketball. (laughs) (laughs) And in high school, I was in band. I played the clarinet and I had two friends who were on the wrestling team and they were like actively recruiting me. And I'm like, no, like wrestling, like, what is that? Like, it looks weird. And they were like, come on, like you're built for it. Like we think that you'd be good at it. Like it's a lot of fun. Like just come and try it. And I was like, okay, fine. If I get cut from basketball, I'll join wrestling. But I didn't think I would get cut from the basketball team. This was my (laughs) sophomore year of high school. So I'm making this bet with them or agreement thinking it's never going to happen. And I kid you not, this is like no exaggeration. It was the next day I got cut from the basketball team. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And basketball and wrestling are during the same season. So it's not like I could have done basketball and then wrestling. It was either or. And so I went home, I was crying, I was so upset. And then the next day I was like, okay, I got cut from basketball. So let me meet your coach. And that's pretty much how it happened. I went to go meet the coach. They got me signed up with the paperwork. There was another female on the team who was my size and everything. She lent me a pair of shoes and some clothes and I showed up to practice. Oh my goodness. So yeah, almost like you said, no exaggeration that God kind of made a way even if it may have not seemed like that in the moment but just yeah too many coincidences I guess for it to just be like okay hold on like what what is happening here yeah exactly and as I've like reflected on it over the years it's just all of the fruit that has come from me joining wrestling I just couldn't have orchestrated it on my own like all of the connections that I've made all of the personal growth that has happened because of wrestling and just the fact that I excelled relatively quickly having joined the sport so late because most wrestlers who have a lot of success joined earlier on like five six even middle school age so me joining at 16 was was considered late (laughs) to get good at it I guess and you mentioned that when you were recruited and you met the coach and whatnot you said that there was another girl who was about your size who had lent you shoes and kind of helped you to get started there so when you when you started, was it just you and this other girl? Or were there other girls wrestling alongside you? Um, so there were the two who were in band and then the third that I had met. And then uh, it was the men's team. So it was kind of joined. So we practiced with the boys, but I only competed against girls. Fortunately, California is like the largest state for high school girls wrestling, which is not the case in all 50 states. So thankfully, I got a lot of competition. I got to wrestle a lot of girls. 
Yeah. You know, for me, when I think about the sport of wrestling, like certainly I see that as more of a, a masculine type thing, which might be actually unfair to say, um, especially given the fact that there are so so many women like yourself who excel in the sport. But I'm curious to know, um, or maybe like if you could offer a reflection on how you've seen like your time in wrestling since you started in high school up until now, how, you know, that might not be the case, how you've been able to still embrace your femininity and the beauty of being a woman, even in a sport that might be so dominated by the masculine experience? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. It gets talked about a lot in our sport, so I'm happy to talk about it. I would say that wrestling actually is what allowed me to come into my own and embrace who I am as a woman and appreciate my body the way that God made it. So um, I have really strong, large, powerful legs. And they were like that before I even started the sport. And so growing up, I kind of had a lot of shame towards my body, just wasn't very happy with it. I just felt like I didn't look very feminine. And as I progressed through wrestling, I saw all of these different body types. And then I realized how strong and capable I was because of the way I was built. As I excelled in wrestling, I came to appreciate the way that my body was changing, the way that it helped me in other ways that other athletes did not have the same advantage. And so I think as I grew, I was able to see myself and see that, wow, like femininity isn't just these traits, like femininity is so much more. And then I had to really reflect on the fact that, okay, I am created in the image and likeness of God. I'm this way because he saw me fit this way and Mm -hmm. I have purpose this way. And so if he sees me as beautiful, then that is true. And so I would say wrestling gave me that opportunity to really come into my own and appreciate my body for what it is um, and kind of rewrite the narrative of what it means to be feminine. Um, And I think sports in general allow that for women, but especially in my sport, because you are right, it is a male dominated sport, but that's quickly changing whether people like it or not. And it's just awesome because I think a lot of women have struggled with this idea that being a woman and being feminine is to I don't know, be dainty or more graceful, which is fine. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's like, we could be dainty and strong. We can lift all the chairs. Like, you know, we can have a place here, not just be tolerated here, but this be our home and where we belong. That's so well said. And it makes me think of the prophet Jeremiah, like, you know, God knew us even before we were born and he made us in in that certain way. He And also consecrated us for a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's a very unique reflection that you offer about how even the ways in which our bodies and you look across, not even in sport, but just in general, if you go out and you, you just pick 10 people randomly, how everybody's body types look so different. Mm-hmm. And even that in itself is intentional and it, it serves different purpose. So I think that's very important what you draw upon. And I'm so glad that there are women out there like yourself who are able to lead by example. And, and sure, like I think it's, you know, I want to acknowledge previously maybe as a younger person, how you experience maybe some, yeah, like contention with your body, but how like through the sport you've grown through it and, and have come to accept the, the different way that God had made you and how it's helped you to, to really excel in this sport. That's really wonderful. Yeah, thank you. I'm definitely appreciative of just the ways that he's opened my eyes through wrestling. 
And when you think about the ways in which you're able to strive for excellence and be excellent in the sport, the way that you're able to use your God-given body and talents for incredible things in this arena, how do you see your sport and the fact that you're in it as a means to bring glory to God? Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I've spent a lot of time over the past several years contemplating that. The first thing that comes to mind is just the fact that the sport is incredibly difficult. I mean, everything that goes into it, I, uh, I'll backtrack a little bit, but when I got to college, um, I kind of wrestled with that idea in my mind of thinking, okay, I feel this draw to serve God, but I'm also doing this sport and it felt separate at first. And Hmm. so I prayed a lot about it and I asked God, how can I serve you? with this sport that you drew me to, because just off of first glance, it doesn't seem like something that's holy. It doesn't seem like something in general that would be a place of worship. And over time, uh, just through prayer and reflection and even journaling, I felt the Holy Spirit kind of reveal to me that anywhere that I allow God, he will take place and grow in me. And that obviously he's the one who drew me to wrestling in the first place. And so if I would allow him into that space, like he asked me, like, will you allow me to be with you in your wrestling? And then, you know, I said, yes. And then my whole outlook on the sport started to change. And so then throughout training, throughout suffering, throughout even just the joy, I just felt the Lord with me and kind of changing me. And I really feel like wrestling mimics life. And I feel like wrestling mimics our journeys with God just For example, like purgation and asking for forgiveness and how sometimes that can hurt the same way in training when I'm trying to hone in on a new skill. And it's painful when my coach is pointing out all of my deficiencies, but I know Mm -hmm. it's to allow me to get to the, the fruit that I want to, to get to the perfect takedown, to really nail down that skill. But I can't excel to that skill until I, in a way, like, I guess, uh, not fight the demons in front of me, but to just conquer all of the little difficulties. And then at the end of that, we experience joy. The way that God allows us to experience joy out of our seasons of darkness, I think about getting my hand raised on the mat and how it all feels worth it. All of the sweat, all of the tears, the injuries, even the sacrifices, not getting to go out and make friends all the time, you know, uh, people criticizing the decisions I make, just like how as Catholics were called to be set apart. Same way to be an excelling athlete and excelling wrestler. I have to set myself apart. I have to watch what I eat. I can't stay up late all the time. And so, uh, which all of this, I wouldn't have come to the conclusion of without asking God, will you be present with me in this sport? How can I glorify you in this sport? So, so many ways, so many ways he's changed my heart first when I do wrestling clinics and I get to meet young girls and see that spark in their eye those are different ways that I'm serving and spreading light and hopefully creating avenues for the Holy Spirit to work through, a, I guess, an unconventional way. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, so many times, like not just in sport, but, you know, you can apply that to literally anything that people may do, like for a hobby and as they're excelling and getting good at something you know, in our culture, how people do things for themselves and they do it for fame or they do it for Instagram notoriety or whatever it might be. So to hear you talk about how you very intentionally asked God, how is it that you want to use me? How is it that you can be present with me in this sport and what it is that I'm doing? We don't see that very often. 
And it's such a beautiful example how you're able to inspire other young girls who, you know, I'm sure will be the next generation or the generation after that of athletes. Yeah, it's just so profound and and incredibly important, I think, when we have people like yourself who are, are taking that time to be intentional and welcoming the spirit into that work. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's definitely, you know, one of my goals and what makes wrestling worth it outside of the accolades I would like for myself. It's did I leave a lasting impact and did I serve God the way that he would have most preferred? Mm hmm. And I think maybe this ties in really nicely to uh, one thing that I like when it comes to, especially speaking to athletes, what is your great expectation for yourself when it comes to you in wrestling? So when you think 10 years, 20 years, 30 years out, Mm -hmm. um, or I guess however long it is until one would retire from the sport. Yeah. Yeah. What is your great expectation for yourself? Well, yeah, I mean, I expect to make the Olympic team and become an Olympic champion and uh, win world championships, hopefully more than once. And in that time frame, hopefully help continue to grow the sport of wrestling to become one of the ambassadors. And uh, I don't know how it's going to happen yet, but just find a way to unite my two worlds into something lasting and impactful. But yeah, I want to, I do want to win <laughs> as much as I, you know, want to, um, spread the good news. I also am very competitive. So I would say that I hope before I retire from this sport that I win the Olympics. Mm. Yeah. So certainly listeners, like, I hope that you will, you keep an eye out for Alexandria, especially as we, you know, we've just, at the time of recording this, we've just passed an Olympics and, you know, as we move forward, there's another one coming in about four years. So keep an eye out for Alexandria. Yes. (laughs) Obviously like sport and wrestling is such a huge part of your identity. And I wanted to jump to something really quickly about when you sent me your bio, one of the, the things, one of the lines I should say that really moved me was just how the different facets of your identity, of which I'm sure sport is one, provides you with a unique and well-rounded perspective of the world that helps you to evangelize to many on the margins. And I remember just before I hit record, I was, you know, sharing with you about how it's it sounds very Pope Francis, right? Like he talks about evangelizing and moving to the margins, being able to reach out to those. And I was wondering if you could elaborate on, you know, your own kind of multifaceted identity and how it is that your personal experiences help you to reach those on the margins. Yeah, of course. So I come from a large Filipino American household, but I am also biracial. Um, My father is African-American. I think he was mixed with, I don't know, but yeah. So, so that is one facet of my identity that I spent a lot of time wrestling with uh, growing up, especially in America. And then um, further, just growing up Catholic, um, growing up in an Asian household while visibly African-American to, I guess, the uninformed eye, rather. And then also during school, I would say my upbringing influenced what I would study in school. I double majored in sociology, communication studies, and I minored in ethnic studies. Um, so I spent a lot of time really digging into uh, the different ways that society uh, could use change and different ways that I could impact it and also understanding people. And I would say my experience from my youth has kind of shaped how I see the world. My father passed away when I was seven, unfortunately, to street violence and things of that nature, which really had a long lasting impact on me growing up without um, a prominent father figure in my life. 
when it comes to all of the different social justice issues that are present currently, um, you know, being a Black American, I have my own unique perspective, just in the sense that racial identity was something I struggled with was, okay, ethnically, I feel more Filipino because that's what I grew up with. I grew up eating rice with my hands and, (laughs) you know, um, I live with both of my grandparents. But at the same time, I know that I'm Black and I shouldn't be ashamed of that. Mm. So all of the different stigmas that society places on Black Americans was something that as a young child without my Black family present was something that my mom kind of had to help me work through. Prior to coming into my own, I always wrestled with which one am I? Am I Asian or am I Black? It always felt like I had to choose and I never fit into either demographic, which fortunately now I've come to accept that I am both because that is the truth and I don't have to choose. So yeah, there's been a lot of different unique experiences that I've had that I've spent time reflecting on. Like even during my time in Catholic school, um, you know, I was faced with unfortunately different racist situations that at the time I maybe might have not recognized, but looking back and sad to recognize. So I would say with all of the different sections of my identity, thankfully through reflection and allowing God to enlighten me, which I'm still working on, I don't have it down perfect yet, but I just know that all of these different facets of my identity are ways that I could reach multiple groups of people through sport, through being Asian American, through being African American, through being mixed, through growing up in the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. not always feeling accepted by my church. All of these things are different ways that the Holy Spirit can and has worked through me. Absolutely. And man, first off, I, I want to just express my gratitude for you and just how you were able to articulate that so, so well. And just the different things that you've had to wrestle through and my heart breaks you know when I hear stuff like that especially the difficult and tricky in between when it feels like you identify as one but maybe not like all the way and it's like that tug of war of identity and just feeling like either I am or I'm not or I'm not enough Mm -hmm. and I think about how like in the Catholic faith we are like a both and people so truly like we don't have to choose and in fact the beautiful mix that brought your family together, that brought you together was also indeed intentional and a gift from our Lord. And the fact that you are walking this earth and you are excelling in your sport and you're being this example for so many people is such an important gift. In terms of the ways in which you've seen, yeah, like your mixed identity, how you've been able to like change perception if that makes sense, like being able to change perception and and challenge even some of the, maybe the biases that you have encountered when it comes to the Catholic faith and whatnot. Well, I would definitely say that just my being kind of does challenge people, um, which then fosters sometimes meaningful conversation, sometimes not so much. I'll just give an example, if that's okay. Um, so a lot of times, um, and I started, first started to notice it when I first uh, made the transition to Catholic school. And I would get a lot of remarks like, oh, you're not like other Black people, or you don't talk like you're Black, a lot of stuff like that. And I would kind of just be like, "Uh, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand what that means to talk Black, or I'm not like the others. And that kind of still happens even now. And I noticed that sometimes when I talk to these people, 
off of first glance, there's apprehension. And then when they speak with me, they seem more comfortable, which to me is very frustrating. Actually, the younger me might've seen that as a compliment, but now based off of the physical, there's this stigma, there's this stereotype surrounding my skin color. And then when I, I guess, exude more comfortable of an aura maybe, or like a tone in my voice, people feel more comfortable. And I have to kind of correct and say that regardless of what you thought about black people, regardless of how I sound or if I am or not like the other, uh, respect is still due. So I would say more recently, this has been kind of a challenging conversation point of what it means to truly be pro-life in the sense that um, like, while we do advocate on the behalf of the unborn, like pro-life covers all of life. And so just with the different racist things that are happening in the media and society and, you know, the different Black people who are being killed and uh, their lives not being honored, I take that to heart when people place that notion on me and then feel comfortable because I don't fit the stereotype. So that's one of the ways that I'm hoping to change perception is that Black people don't have to be more palatable for you to accept their life and honor them. Um, And that's something that, well, sure, maybe, you know, I went to school, so I know how to articulate my feelings better. Uh, That's not required for us to honor life, because if that were the case, then I'm not sure that we fit the prerequisites for Jesus to like, you know, sacrifice his life for us. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's just one of the examples of ways that, you know, perception has changed and is changing. um, And there's a lot of people all of us, but there's a lot of people in the church that I think need to do some reflecting on that and how they can change their perception of people of color in the church and just people of color in general. It's because of that, that I haven't always felt comfortable, especially when I first moved to the Midwest and I had to find a new church community, even just visiting different parishes outside of the one on campus we were not always welcome. My fiance is black as well. And so sometimes we go to these more white dominated parishes and we stick out like sore thumbs and we don't always get greeted. And yeah, which is unfortunate, you know, because our church is a universal church. And so everybody should feel welcome. But like I said, that's just, I guess, part of my mission. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Incredibly appreciative of that. Like it's something that especially in the the moments that we find ourselves in now uh, has become so prevalent and just all of the discourse around what truly is the body of Christ, which really is, it's you, it's I, it's everybody who listens, uh, regardless of what they look like. And like you said, being pro-life and advocating for and on behalf of the unborn, but like you said, pro-whole life and all life. So I'm grateful for that. And just the fact that you're able to encapsulate that into your mission, I guess necessarily so, given that it is who you are and that you aren't uh, shying away from it, I think is so powerful. And perhaps like it leads me to one of the quotes that you reference in a number of different places where I've I've come across you on the internet is uh, this beautiful quote from St. Catherine of Siena. And I'm sure many listeners are familiar with this quote. And it is, be who God called you to be and you'll set the world on fire. So I think throughout this conversation, Alexandria, I've seen the different ways, like even in your zeal, and your passion, like just seeing those sparks like in your eyes and just how you're able to really set the world ablaze, truly. But I'm curious to know what this quote means for you. Like, why is it that it is so meaningful for you? St. Catherine of Siena is my confirmation saint. And uh, this quote specifically has 
kind of changed its meaning over time, but it's always resonated with me deeply. And I guess I'll start with the fact that I am not very much a confrontational person. Like I don't like conflict, (laughs) Um, but as I've started to grow in spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to change me, um, and even just learning more about Jesus and the ways that he's rubbed people the wrong way, you know, like he definitely wasn't the very most liked person of his time that I re in rereading this quote, if I'm being truly who God has called me to be, when you touch fire, it kind of burns a little bit. <laughs> um, and so sometimes that might uh, cause friction. Sometimes it might cause tension, but that's okay because the call of us is not always an easy one, that path. And he did, you know, let us know that as we walk with him, that people might not like us so much. But on another side, I also see it as, as the Holy Spirit resides within us and we have that fire within us and we're called to spread that light with others. Um, You know, I take my candle and I light somebody else's, you know, that fire becomes brighter and hopefully they go and use their candle to light somebody else's. And so on the other side of the coin, I see it as, as I'm spreading my light to others, I'm spreading that fire of the Holy Spirit that's within me. Hopefully I'm lighting everybody's and they go off and we're just, you know, (laughs) setting the world on fire in different ways. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. And I hope that before uh, I'm done on this earth, that I at least spread some fires. (laughs) Amen. That's so beautiful. And Certainly, it is that universal call to holiness, to mission, and yeah, to really glorify God through the different things that we do and share that light with other people. So I think that's so beautiful. I'm grateful for that dualistic reflection of that quote. The first part, especially that you mentioned where, you know, Jesus himself was a a figure who was controversial, certainly, and I would absolutely agree with you. I also do not like confrontation. I'm very like, oh, okay, like I'll just kind of let it slide. But when it comes to advocating for truth and justice, yeah, it's not always the most popular opinion. And even being Catholic, some of the things that we we believe in are not mainstream. It's totally radical and controversial sometimes. But yeah, just to be that witness to that, I think is really bold and it's important. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Obviously, this whole podcast centers around the feminine genius, and I would love if you could share how you've seen your own feminine genius develop through your multifaceted identity, through your sport, and just the work that you do right now. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I've seen my feminine genius flourish. I think it has been flourishing throughout my life, but I would say that I've really seen it hone in in the past few years, especially through the sport of wrestling. Like we've talked about earlier, uh, it's a male-dominated sport, but that's rapidly changing. And I think that as myself and more women, you know, come into accepting our femininity in this kind of space, that it's like I said earlier, rewriting what it means to be a woman. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I was actually having a conversation with my mom earlier about this topic and how God created us with both the feminine and masculine. And I think sometimes that gets overlooked and we reflected on Adam and Eve and how prior to Eve, Adam was both masculine and feminine himself. And so I think that this sport allows me to kind of challenge that, especially because all of us have elements of both. And on the exterior, I might have more masculine traits, but that doesn't take away from my femininity. If anything, it enhances it. And so the male and the female are meant to be complementary. And so I think that as I've come to accept 
both aspects of that that reside within me that just makes me like ultimate female, (laughs) ultimately ultra feminine in that way. At least that's how I see it. So yeah, hopefully that answers that. Absolutely does. And I think that's so beautiful. What a great way to to kind of close off there. So thanks so much, um, Alexandria, for sharing your time, your gift, and just your whole being and your femininity with me and our listeners. And to close, would you be able to lead us in a prayer? Yeah, yeah, of course. I would love to. Thank you. I'll just start in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for connection and we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's present residing within us. And we just offer this conversation to you and thank you for allowing us to gather over your word and uh, just share an experience. And we pray that as this day goes on uh, and the next days to come, that we would continue to allow your light to shine within us. And we pray for all of those who would listen to this podcast and to whoever's ears these words touch, that they would feel your presence, um, feel enlightened and feel called to set the world on fire in their respective circles the way that you call them. And we give all of the glory and honor to you, Lord Jesus, in your most precious name. Amen. Amen. Father, Thank you, Alexandria. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you to Alexandria Glade for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. You can follow Alexandria on her wrestling and faith journey on Instagram at GladeAlex. I've left a link to this in the episode description below. You can learn more about the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other platforms. All this information can be found on our home on the web, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless you always.